Today we've got a very special guest, fellow, pod, fellow podcaster and owner and author of the original judo podcast, Mr. James Austin. Um, James, do you want to sort of introduce yourself and tell everybody about, about your sort of um, your career and a little bit about yourself? <laughs> Cheers, Sam. How are you doing, guys? Um, that, I mean, that sounds, it makes it sound like podcasting is a lot more <laughs> difficult than it is. <laughs> Owner and author. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, former judo player, um, retired, semi-retired three or four years ago, and uh, coaching now at the University of Nottingham. Um, I guess I trained while I was competing at Hardy Spices with Fitz, Fitz Roe Davis, and then I moved uh, towards the end of my career up to Scotland, towards the end of my career. When I was about 24, 25, there was still six, seven years left, um, up to Scotland and trained with the guys up there. and. Um, Lucky enough to go London Olympics and unlucky to crash and burn just before the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow. Lucky and unlucky. Um, no, no, we're really happy to have you on. So J- James was, um, I was on teams with James for quite a long time and we travelled around. We actually, I remember at one point we started doing these little video diaries and we talked about really <laughs> and they were just really stupid things we would record as we were driving around different places, but we never did. I'll have to find them and dig them out at some point. Um, yeah, I yeah. think from all those Russia trips and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orenburg is when it really sort of was with the peak. I think the more like middle of nowhere we were, the more we had to find things to do to occupy ourselves. Orenburg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, saying that, Tom, right? Orenburg. I remember I turned up to Orenburg. Like this random guy picked me up in an Audi Q7, like souped up. I was like, what has gone on here? I was like, why has Luke sent me to this tournament? I was like, it's just mafia. I was like, what is this? Anyway, I got in the car, drove me to my hotel through the night. He, and then randomly, he was like, you know Tom Reed? I was like, yeah. <laughs> he was like, Tom Reed? And I was like, yes, mate, we know Tom Reed. And he was like, oh, we love Tom. And I was like, all right, cheers. And then he, then he got his phone out. Showed me uh, he had your number. He was like, Tom, Tom. And I was like, yeah, nice one. And yeah, then we were on that trip. We just talked about you. His name was like Andrew, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something he, mad. Mate, he loves me because he was our tour guide, same as he was for you. And I don't know why I ended up with his number. Probably because just to arrange where he's going to pick us up or something. But then when I got back to England, I, I accidentally texted him. Like I meant to text somebody else. And it went to him. And then I couldn't, you know, it was just a, like a really normal text, like, how you doing, mate? And then it started a conversation. I just couldn't just end it and be like, oh, I, I didn't mean to think. <laughs> he probably thinks that I'm, I want to continue our friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, when he said that, he was like, Tom? And I was like, yeah, like, I just kept talking about you. And I was just like, all right, nice one, mate. Nice one. <laughs> this is... Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah no, good good times definitely. But this is a is Orenberg the one with the camel and the lion. Yeah. I don't <sighs> mate, I I highly doubt those his animals are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they were struggling then. One of the weirdest ones. But you um this is obviously life after sport, but you're very reluctant to say this is uh you're you've never officially retired, is that right? No, I don't like to say officially retired. I I like, I, I probably kind of retired after Glasgow and 
found that I missed like competition. I don't need loads of it, um, but I try and do the British trials every year. Um, fairly sure I won't qualify soon, and I don't have enough motivation to do the qualification events. But um, at the moment, semi-retired because I still bust it out for one more event every year. Yeah, mate. You know what I was thinking yesterday, actually, um, which I hadn't hadn't occurred to me was like Bundesliga or something like that. Have you thought about that? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, I had um, one experience fighting in the Bundesliga, which was just ridiculous. It was amazing. And um, then it was pretty much, I wrecked my knee and it was the end of my career. And uh, uh, so I'd never really got the opportunity again. But um, it was a, yeah, if you've got the option, it would be something that would be fantastic and a great way to kind of keep involved. And a lot of the German players do that as well, don't they? They kind yeah, of yeah. finish and then, but stay with their team and keep competing. The Swiss League, the Swiss League um, is pretty good. Yeah. Really? They pay well as well. Yeah, when I stopped, um, I got a random message. Like Fletcher was like, oh, do you want to fight for the Swiss team? And I was like, mate, I haven't trained in about six months. I've done no judo. He was like, <laughs> Do you fancy it? And I was like, how much they pay? And they're like, 400 euros. I was like, don't worry, mate. I'll be there. I was like, just, I was like, tell the guy to message me. The guy messaged me. He's like, everything, flights, everything. 400 euros. I was like, all right. Oh. Then, I was like, yeah. I had to lose weight. Turned up. Unfit as fuck. Couldn't. I was like, oh, this. Hope I get a, a lad that's not that good. Anyway, we went there, fought, fought. And you weigh in on the morning. So it's horrendous. You weigh in. <laughs> half an hour later, you fight. It's horrendous. So I was like, oh, this is it's shocking. Sick. I hadn't done... Uh, 73, so it's, okay, no, 73, okay, okay. 73. Yeah. It's 66, <laughs> mate. If it couldn't be 66, Tom, I would have collapsed. <laughs> um, 73, yeah, fought. I fought shocking. Luckily beat this lad. I had all these lads behind. The only reason I won is because, remember that Dutch lad, um, Melvin? The yeah. big, he was like, Dude. Yeah. and I just find him hilarious. And he was just getting behind me. And he was like, come on. And I was just like... I just wanted to win for him. Do it for Melvin. <laughs> I just wanted to do it for Melvin. I was like, I just like, I, I was like, he, I find him hilarious. And I won both my matches, right? And I knew they weren't going to call me back. I was like, I fought pretty. I won, but it wasn't anyone good. They were like, we'll be in touch. Never heard from them since. <laughs> Took their 400 euros. Got my, belt, got my Swiss, Swiss chocolates to the airport, which probably cost me half of that 400 euros. And then went home. I never heard from him since. You need to text Melvin to find out what's happening. <laughs> yeah. But I think, like, I think if there was a system, not like, if they had, like, the equivalent in England, like, the English kind of Bundesliga kind of thing. Mm. they got something. They, would... they have got something. It's in the Eastern area, so I think Colin Oates' dad yeah. organises it. Um, have you done that, James? Uh, no, but I've, I've, uh, Rycroft in Nottingham, I enter it every year. Um, it's it's a one-off event. I think they're trying to use it as a platform to start something like that. Okay. But um, as like a one-off team event, um, yeah, it's meant to be quite quite good. Right. Let's do a, let's do like a has-beens team. Just like like you have to start for at least two years, and then you can fight. Team. You're not allowed to train. But the rules are you have to just turn up. Like no preparation. <laughs> Contest length is like one minute. That's it. That was fine. I could do one minute. Golden score. That would. That would <laughs> golden score. score. Golden score would be, any, would be even better. Just go <laughs> mental for thirty seconds. 
shit or bust. <laughs> That's kind of how I thought anyway. <laughs> right. Anyway, back to sorry, back to you, James. Um, so you you sort of, you did skim over your your career a lot. Um, so you had a really good career, like really, you know, obviously an Olympian, like um, 2012 Olympian, and then uh, 2014 you're sort of obviously qualified and gearing up for Glasgow. Why why did you stop? You you mentioned it previously, but like. For, for the listeners like why did you stop give us a bit more detail around that um so i think the final training camp for the scottish team before uh, the glasgow commonwealth games i uh, had a pretty i think bad knee injury like i tore my acl the lcl uh, chipped the bone in, as well and um yeah it was like i'd always aimed to finish after glasgow okay um I mean, I'd originally thought I'd finish after London, and then got dragged dragged back in for one more, uh, for one more run for two more years. At that stage, um, my wife had moved kind of back to Birmingham, so we'd been living apart uh, for like eighteen months. Um, I was in Scotland; she was down in Birmingham, travelling up and down every weekend when we weren't away. So by the time my knee was back in one piece, um, as much as I wanted to. I didn't want to finish like that and I wanted to maybe have a shout at Rio. Um, my, yeah, my body basically wouldn't, wasn't healthy enough. And then the people who were now ahead of me were both a so far ahead of me and B really, really good. So it would have been like very challenging to do anything. When do you think you sort of realized that it was that you weren't going to come back? Was it, like was there not one particular time like when you first injured your knee for example did you think shit like that's potentially the end of my career um so in the run-up to glasgow yeah i had i wasn't massively enjoying judo again partly because i was living apart from my wife and was very fixed that glasgow was going to be the end and the only reason i thought i've got to give it one more shot was because i felt like it was the decision wasn't mine if that makes sense like the the decision was taken away from me mm. and uh yeah that i was really uncomfortable with that and um did a couple of events and i started trying to train a little bit more um but couldn't so uh you know that's that's kind of just how it goes and it was like a it was a gradual process and i'm fairly sure that in the back of my head i still think i've got one more run left in me for whether it's for birmingham like if tokyo gets postponed another year don't you know it's yeah, yeah, you never, know. <laughs> never, never, never say never mate never say never exactly but i enjoy the competition i think I'm, i miss competing like i miss being around people but i do miss uh like the feelings and the emotions of being in the competition I'm not saying they're nice when you have having them, but there's nothing really the same, is there? Mm, no, definitely yeah, not. Totally. It must have been something that was tough, the fact that it wasn't your choice. That's yeah, so that that that's the bit that for me was challenging. I think um transitioning away from the sport, moving away from judo wasn't too bad because um I wasn't always a funded player so I was always working and uh, I wasn't working in judo so I was always working in kind of like uh, mental health support work and that kind of thing so I knew I had an area I could go into away from kind of away from judo 
um, it was more, yeah, the the fact that it wasn't a choice that was mine. It was something that was forced upon me that was uh, difficult to take. Yeah. So what did you do straight away? Like you had to, so you're, you're, you're still based in Scotland. You have this injury. Um, you obviously can't compete in Glasgow. Do you then move straight back down to Birmingham to be with your wife or did you stay up in Scotland for treatment? Um, to, to be fair, I stayed up. Uh, I think the commies were like July, August, July maybe. And um, the, the support I got from Judo Scotland was um, amazing. It was in, like, it's fantastic. So they stayed up there for the surgery um stayed up there for the event and but also stayed there had loads of rehab and i think it was really good considering they knew that not only was i finishing but also i was moving away from the area and i think it would have been easy for them to kind of just cut me loose but i guess they that kind of the care the support was superb for me at the time yeah so how would you sum up the, your, like, do you think, would you say you've had a, a, like a, a smooth transition or like, have you struggled with certain areas? Like what's it been like for you sort of finishing <laughs> that part of your competitive judo career? Austin's come making a um, comeback. He's not finished. Yeah, I know. That's the, <laughs> yeah, it's, always comeback. it's quite hard for him to answer, isn't it? Because he's like, I'm, yeah, I'm not he's, finished. He's like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I come back, I go again, I come back, I go again. So I've had like, I've had like 10 transitions. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gets easier. Pretty much. <laughs> um, no, like, I think, so the... I don't think there's stuff that I struggle with, but I think there's definitely stuff that I miss. I miss being around my friends and I've been like part of that training environment. Um, having been back up to Scotland to visit the guys and occasionally going on the mat, the group of people that I was training with though have all moved on anyway. So the likes of Ewan and Sam are now involved in Judo Scotland. Um, Pat, Matt, James Miller, um, Tasty, have all moved off as well doing their own things and, and there were loads of others part of that setup as well so like difficulty in going back is that you're not going back to the same situation and I think um I don't whilst I'm I miss being part of that group I basically miss hanging around with my mates all day <laughs> um, having a little fight and then going for a coffee yeah. and that's not really an option anymore because they've all gone, oh, we can't do this either. And um, it'd be great to go back, but obviously it's not there. I had the same thing in my head about coming back to, to Bath, but it's actually not, it's different people, most of them. Yeah, and because you're a coach, the relationship is different as well, aren't they? So uh, you can't be Tom anymore. <laughs> you have to be, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. Reed, sensei. Yeah, definitely. Um, something like that Austin you like do you have any regret like because you like we we talk about regret like when I finished I had a massive regret like I still feel it a bit now and I've like I've come to terms of better of it and stuff and I felt massive regret and like loss of my identity really obviously you went to the Olympic Games like you you reached the pinnacle of the sport obviously it wasn't you like so how do you feel reaching the pinnacle of the sport and then walking away like did you feel okay with that or did you want more um, I think obviously uh, I wanted more. So kind of early on in my career, I knew that my goal was to go to an Olympic Games and never 
until I qualified for an Olympic Games or selected for an Olympic Games, until I got there, I never really thought beyond that. But then when you get the selection, you start thinking, okay, okay, oh, it's going to, this is it. This is, this is my time. This is going to be the one. And then obviously it didn't work out because everybody's thinking the same thing. Um, I would love to have had a shot at Glasgow. And again, knowing the next Commie Games is in Birmingham, that kind of, weighs on your mind coming away from judo I, I think I didn't massively struggle with the loss of identity but what I did find difficult to cope with and I, I'm still kind of getting my head around it is like the lack of confidence in other roles so I'm finishing my training as a sports psychologist and it's taken me a long time to be confident in what I'm doing in that judo environment you kind of know what you're doing you know what your role is whether it's as a coach a player um, you know your relationships with all the other people. And I think coming into something new where I haven't had that experience, I haven't been um, someone, you know, near the top of the tree. And, yeah, it, it's taken a while to get that confidence back. And I, I wonder if that plays a part in, in the whole identity thing as well, as, as maybe as people move away it's that confidence thing in something new that's that's missing and it, ta- it, it takes time to build that like you'll you'll know yourself like first time you maybe trained at Camberley or at Bath you're not the same person you are six months in or three years in are you you know yeah. it takes time to become part of that group and then accept it as part of that group definitely yeah, I think sure. because of your the level you've reached in judo like your perception of what good is like you've been an Olympian so like unless your, your idea of good is that. So until you're yeah. that, until you're that as a sports psychologist, you're like, I'm not, I'm not good at it yet. So like that, comes, yeah, which is it's crazy. <coughs> you can't measure yourself in, in everyday life like that. You have to be the very best in the world for that for you to be good and confident at your job. But that's maybe maybe part of it. I think it's just it's it's clarity on what you're meant to be doing though. Like being an athlete, you you know. You, you have to turn up to training in the morning and then either you run in the training yourself or you've got someone telling you exactly what you should be doing. So you, there's that kind of structure and routine and coming out of that, you kind of lose that a little bit when you lose some of the autonomy, like the, the stuff that goes with that. And do you think your sort of study in sports psychology has, uh, has helped you? Or do you think it's like made you think too much about stuff? <laughs> no i think it, i think it's helped i do think it's helped like there's um there's a like couple of really simple theories again i've not looked at identity or stuff like that there's yeah. a couple of like really simple theories that i feel explain retirement quite well so uh and someone someone will be listening and they'll say that's nothing to do with that at all so this is where i'm still kind of getting my head around sports psychology um there's some there's there's this thing called like self-determination theory and it basically says that to uh, feel confident in a situation you need to have a level of autonomy you need to feel that you're competent and you need to have like uh good relationships and you need to understand the relationships around you. And you retire from sport, you're probably losing your sense of competence because you're going into something new. Um, you haven't, generally, you haven't got the autonomy because you're going and finding a job, unless you're setting up on your own. 
okay um and then relating that you're moving away from all your friends and your players so it's something that helped me get my head around it and go oh, okay that actually makes sense yeah. what can i put in place that helps me do all those kind of things and then part of that was why i uh started the podcast plugging my podcast here the original Dude pods but it was a way for me to kind of stay connected to other people and talk about something that i've got you know a bit of experience in yeah um so it helped me meet some of those things um yeah because you didn't start it straight away did you it was like a little break you started when did you start it 2017 okay. uh i yeah so I, I was doing a master's i started i do my second master's uh after i finished after after uh, the comedy games i signed up for another master's and then i uh, did that and again was dipping in and out of judo i guess a little bit and reached a point where i was like i can't really do this um I want to stay involved and I like listening to podcasts as well. And there was nothing out there. I thought, well, I might, I might give that a go. There's a few come out now, isn't there? There's like a few different ones. Mm. Yeah. We won't mention them because we'll just plug you. All right. We won't mention the others. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's good. It's good for judo that there's more stuff out there. Like I, I genuinely thought when, when I started that others would start up as well. Yeah. And, um, Yeah. And, pop up. Yeah, it turns out nobody wants to listen to my stupid voice, but nobody <laughs> wants to listen to anyone else's stupid voice either. So it was okay. <laughs> when you started it, that um, like a, did that? Did that? Was that all positive? Uh, nah, it was. It was. It was good to be fair because I am a terrible person for keeping in contact with people. I need a reason to keep in contact with people, yeah. and um, so a lot of my friends stayed involved in. I guess you guys will maybe feel the same, like, cause you moved away from that performance side of judo. Um, see, you don't have that connection with the performance side anymore. And if like, you know, the likes of you and Sam, um, Matt, Pat, uh, Jig all stayed involved and you, because you're not doing the same thing, you don't have that connection anymore. So you starting the podcast was a way to, basically shove my face back in and go hi guys don't forget about me <laughs> but it's not the same but yeah. it was an excuse to call people and chat once you get like really yeah. prominent as a sports psychologist that's when i'm going to dig out those orenberg videos and i'm going to did you always have like a plan to like when you left like when you left judo you thought, oh, i'm gonna do this or was it just like full-time judo I don't. I kind of don't know what I'm gonna do after. And yeah, did you have a plan alongside every time you were doing judo? Um. So when I was about fourteen or fifteen, and I was kind of getting more involved in judo, I was training at Fitzes and started going up to Coventry Judo Club. I remember someone was having a conversation with. I think it was Lee Burbridge. Um, Tom, do you remember Lee? Uh, I didn't. I, it was a little bit before my time. I think I was probably a cadet, maybe when he finished, or a junior. But I don't. I didn't. Yes. So he was retiring at the time, and it, like it stuck with me. Like he was retiring at the time, and I just remember like this conversation, and he was talking about how he was like really worried about what he was going to do next because he'd always done judo and that kind of thing. I'm sure it was him. Maybe I've got it wrong, but there were two people at commentary judo club having this conversation, and it. Um, it kind of just stuck with me. So always in the back of my head, I had this idea that I needed to be doing something alongside judo. Um, 
to make the step away from it a bit easier. And I didn't really know what that was. Um, and I was interested in like the psychology side and uh, kind of as it, as my career went on, like that interest got a little bit firmer. So I knew that, yeah, I kind of worked it out as my career went on that I knew that that was what I wanted to go into. Um, I always worked in kind of mental health during my career. Cause I th- and I thought that might be something I went into, but by the time I finished, it had become a lot more specific and slightly different area. So I, I always had this idea that, you know, my, the judo would come to an end and I'd need to move into something else. Um, wasn't massively clear on what it would be, but that formed as I went on. Does that, make, does that answer your question, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I just find like, if you could give any advice to other athletes like coming up like 15, 16, because when you're like, when I was that age, I was just thinking, yo, I just want to go to Olympics. I just want to do judo full time. I don't really care. Like my mum dragged me, had to drag me to go to sixth form and stuff. She was like, you need something. So I went, yeah. I didn't go to uni and stuff. I was like, no, I'm just going to do judo. She was like, what are you going to do after? I was like, I'll worry, I'll worry about that when it comes. And I think athletes coming up now and kids coming up, it, a lot of people, some coaches even, they give it tunnel vision where they're just like, no, just worry about judo. Just focus about judo. But I think the transition looking back on everyone we've had on, I think it makes it more smoother if you have something alongside it. If you can step yeah. away and be like, okay, well, I can do a bit of this or I can do that or I've got this kind of skill. But if you have nothing after judo and then there's no support on top of that, that's when people just get lost. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think, I, I don't think it matters what you do. I, I kind of regret going to university as soon as like I finished school, like I, with hindsight, I would have liked to have gone into training like full time then potentially. Um, and then started university a little bit later on. Um, but I think doing something is really important. Whether it's uni's not for everyone, whether it's that and apprenticeship, like I always like the idea of like, um, Trinda did plastering while he was and and also like funded his way through judo like working a bit on the side and I think that was brilliant um, yeah and I think you've got a lot of options but you you need someone basically saying to you look uh, this this conversation that I overheard at the, the judo club like really stuck with me and I was like oh you know I don't want to be in that position 10 years down the line and it's not always 10 years down the line we all know that while we all think we're bulletproof injuries can happen and your career could finish when you're 21 25 not uh 39 as i'm hoping (laughs) um but you know even if you even if you're doing something alongside it and you don't and it turns out that that's not what you want to go into it helps make that landing maybe a little bit softer when you come away from come away from the sport and if that's coaching, that's great. I kind of thought early on that coaching wasn't going to be for me. And again, at the moment, I regret not doing more coaching when I was younger, you know, but can make up for that now. You're coaching at the moment, aren't you? Coaching, coaching in uh, Birmingham University? Uh, Nottingham, coaching in Nottingham. So oh, yeah. um, the university, which is cool. It's good. They're a really good, good group to train. Um, I'd like to do a little bit more with kids. Um, you know, but, uh, don't do it, Austin. <laughs> don't do it. Really? 
No, 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 you know what? Like, I coach kids all day, mate, but the young kids, four, five, mate, half an hour feels like four hours. You come off and you're just, <laughs> you just come off and your mind's just frazzled, pulling at you, tying belts literally every five seconds. They're like, I've got a belt. And I'm like, all right, we'll tie it. They're like, you've got to remember, they don't know how to tie a belt. They don't barely know how to walk, <laughs> you know. But I enjoy it, you know. Afterwards, I do, I do enjoy it, but it's hard, mate. It's tough. Really? Sting I can, no, I can imagine. How long do you run the classic for the young ones? Uh, three and four-year-olds, I do like 25 minutes. Five to seven, I do about 45 minutes. And then eight to 12, I do like fifth, an hour. Yeah. That's the kind of structure I have. But I don't know. I've, like I said, I've, I've never done anything else. You know, even when I was training yeah. full-time, I was coaching coaching in school so i went to train up full-time when i was 20 i'm 28 now so i've done it for eight years coaching in schools I've slogged it out do you know what i mean now i'm so like now when i'm when people say oh do you want to come and coach some three and four year olds i'm like i'd rather not no <laughs> i said no like no i don't want to do it <laughs> but do you think though if you hadn't been coaching like it would have been harder to step oh mate from, like, if i didn't have mate, if i didn't have johnny percy helping me when I left judo, like, as in, like, had a, had a structure, I don't know where, yeah. I, honestly, I don't know actually know where I'll be because that's the only thing I've ever done, you know? Yeah. So, and obviously, luckily here, I mean, I was, I moved here and then Tom helped me in my first job and then I didn't have, didn't really know anything else. So I was just like, you know what, let me go back into coaching. Let me set up my own business. You know what I mean? So that kind of helped me. But yeah, I think if I didn't have coaching in schools or coaching like kids, yeah, I reckon it would have been a lot, lot tougher. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it, I agree with you on the coaching kids, Aaron. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> now, let Austin try. Let Austin try. Get me back on in about six months' time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> nice, mate. Well, it's, it's good. Like, sounds like things are going well for you. What's What's next for you? Do you think? What's your next sort of steps? What's your plans? Um, so, uh, I finished my, my sports site qualification, um, like next year. So at the moment I'm practicing, but as a trainee, so I've got someone who supervises me and makes sure that effectively I'm doing sports psychology rather than just chatting shit. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, so I'm getting some experience, and the the thing I'm I find a struggle is kind of like this the selling yourself side that goes along with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of me that feels like, why aren't people just coming and asking for my help and throwing money at me? Why aren't what's wrong with them? Don't they don't they know I'm I'm James Austin? Like, and then actually then going oh how can I sell myself to getting better at that and promote it? Maybe not selling yourself, but promoting what you do and how it's useful. Cause I think maybe sports psychology, certainly in the, the sports that I'm interested in is um, still perceived a little bit as like motivational speaker guy, mm-hmm. just coming in going, you got it guys. And um, there's a lot more to it than that. It's um, yeah. There's, there is that whole mental skill side. There's, there is that stuff. You know, people need a bit more support, and sometimes just learning, like 
the skills they need like uh more support with the stuff that's going on inside their head and everything like that so but for me it's it's letting people know that what what i do and uh yeah well, then convincing them i'm a good guy <laughs> yeah he's a great guy and he's gonna be a great sport <laughs> everybody james austin at the original judo podcast <laughs> Yeah, anyone, yeah, anyone needs some help, get out of You can be a consultant. <laughs> if anyone comes on and they really need help, this is the man. <laughs> still <laughs> still learning. That's what I'd say. This is the other thing. Still learning. So yeah. next week I'll be like, oh, I don't I don't know where I am with it. And like, <laughs> still developing. Let's let's yeah. Still developing. Awesome. Um step at a time. Cool. Brilliant. Well, we're bang on 40 minutes, so I think that's really good. No, guys thank you very much for having me on much appreciated i hope that wasn't too much nonsense that was great no we died it was really good yeah it was good cheers mate